0: It's the Hive Sports Podcast, bringing you all the buzz
1: on sports in the Beehive State. Visit us at thehivesports.com. Against Gobert, puts his shoulder down, rolls inside, try to slam it home, and Rudy said, not tonight! John Beck is on the run, he throws behind him, it is! confident for the touchdown! Merrill for the lead, he's got it! Hello and welcome to the Real Salt Lake Podcast here at the Hive Sports Talking all things Real Salt Lake, I am Ethan Kershaw, joined alongside Alex Maurer, here to bring you everything that has to do with Real Salt Lake this week, and um, obviously not a ton of action, but there was a lot of news and a lot of things to talk about, and so before we jump on into getting into those things, uh, Alex, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing good.
1: Glad to be back.
0: Yeah, as you said, there wasn't a lot of on-field action, but wow, my goodness, was there a lot of off-field action this week in RSL News.
1: Yeah, absolutely. A lot to unpack. Um, before we do jump into it, as well, be sure to go ahead and head on over to Twitter and give a follow to myself and Alex. I am at Ethan Kershaw nine, and Alex is at Alex Maurer on Twitter. Um, also, any questions that you guys have for the team or any of the players, let us know. We're here to help you guys out, and uh, you know we're uh, really, I guess, oriented to the listeners and and you know people who who have questions who maybe don't have the opportunity to ask. So. Um, go ahead and let us know if you guys have any questions for the players or the the uh, coach Pablo Mastroni. Um, all right, let's go ahead and jump on into the episode. And this is like the first episode in a really long time where we actually don't have a monarch minute. So maybe feels so like sad a, about it. <laughs> yeah, it. Feels like maybe <laughs> a, a little bit of a void. And yes, we're all crying inside. A and, Big um, bit so, of a void. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's unfortunate, but you know, hopefully, we can get back to some monarch minutes soon. But We do have a bigger game to talk about, and that is the SKC game that happened on Sunday. So if you remember in the last episode that we kind of talked about the preview for this game leading up to it, it was an all or nothing game, win or go home, essentially a playoff game for Real Salt Lake. Um, Very tense game all throughout, and as we hopefully know, hopefully you all know, hopefully you all watch this game, Um, very good game in the, the very and Real Salt Lake pulls it out with a Dumb Year cry lock and goal in the 95th minute in extra time to win the game 1-0 and send Real Salt Lake to the playoffs. Uh, Alex, how do you even quantify or begin to start to even, I guess, talk about this game? There's a lot to unpack.
0: Hi, honestly, this is one of those games for me where I truly think you throw out absolutely everything like analytics wise or stats wise or formations or you know strategy wise. And you just revel in the energy and the positivity that came from this game. Like, we could go through, you know, the switch to the four two three one and how that was effective and how it wasn't effective. But at the end of the day, we held Kansas City to zero goals for 90-some-odd minutes. Probably should have had a penalty, but they didn't. Life goes on. And we score an absolute wonder goal off of, you know, what could have been a bicycle kick to save our season, but turned into a great bicycle kick assist. And it was like the hardest I've ever cheered for an RSL goal in a very, very long. Most fun result. I think in probably at least half a decade, like I don't know what even comes close. Frankly, it was so much fun. And if I'm not mistaken, somebody on this pod, I don't remember who said we should probably bench Demir in that striker role, but Again, I digress. I don't remember who that was. That could have been anybody. But the I'll fact that hint. he's sitting... It, it, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I can't remember. It was a long time ago. But <laughs> Demir in that striker role finds himself in the right place at the right time, much like yeah. the newly retired Chris Wondolowski, and he just taps it in. And it was he's been there for RSL so many times, and he continues to be that guy. And if there's any better momentum or confidence builder going
1: into the playoffs, I don't think
0: I've ever seen it in my life. It was truly just a joy to watch.
1: Yeah, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a big FIFA guy. I love playing FIFA. If Demir Kreler doesn't get a team of the season card at the end of this year for FIFA, um, the game has to be rigged. Uh, with an amazing season and, you know, really capping it off with that goal in this one. Um, I thought, you know, I was at my, my in-laws house for this game. And uh, kind of a, it was, I don't know, kind of a back and forth game. There were so many chances for Real Salt Lake. I, I felt like they were getting closer and closer and that a goal was coming. But then at times, too, we would give the ball away or make some silly mistake in the back and give it away and really got my nerves jangling. SKC had their opportunities in this game for sure. Like, they definitely could have put this game away in many other moments. But when that goal was scored, I can tell you right now, my neighbor, my neighbors, or I guess my in-laws' neighbors <laughs> at that point, really hated us because we were so incredibly loud when that goal was scored. Um, just like you said, it was an amazing moment. In Real Salt Lake's history, very fun game to watch, even though it was 0-0 zero, zero until the very end. But um, again, you mentioned, you know, Justin Merrim gets subbed in. Um, I, I tweeted out even, I think it was, I don't know if it was before this game or after this game, but I think at this point it's we're pretty safe to say if, I don't know if you agree with me, but I feel like Justin Merrim and Anderson Julio have to be solidified super subs going forward because uh, Justin Merrim's come in off the bench lately and just provided assists. And we know Anderson's Anderson Julio's ability to come off the bench and get goals. And so, I mean, honestly, like Pablo's been starting these guys on and off in the starting lineup throughout the year, but we've seen them be most effective coming in off the bench. And so I think that maybe the starting role, then that one spot that's left in the starting lineup maybe belongs to Jonathan Menendez. I'm guessing Pablo's probably going to start Michael Chang there a couple of times. I actually prefer Jonathan Menendez at that spot. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's really up for debate there. Um, fantastic game, really exciting, obviously getting the result we wanted. So, um, do you, do you have any other news or or notes on this game? I mean, obviously this game, you know, propels us into the playoffs and knocks out the LA galaxy. So, um, I'm really happy about that. And you mentioned kind of, you know, there was maybe a handball, um, real quick, real quick. I actually want to talk about that. So I think, so pro came out. Um, and admitted they had made a mistake and that it should have been called a handball on the replay for me, at least there are two angles that they show the replay at. Okay. The first replay I could have sworn. I, I, every time I had watched it, it looked like the ball bounces off Roger Espinoza's chest before it even touches Justin Glad's hand. But then in the second replay, it looks like it touches Justin Glad's hand. And so if there was any confusion, in the middle of that game, I'm guessing that's probably what the guy who was reviewing VAR thought. I guess he probably thought, you know, it has to be a clear and obvious error in order for us to overturn the call. He probably saw something like what what I was seeing, and I probably am like the only person out there that saw that. I don't know, Alex. What, what did you see? I
0: truly believe if that ball had gone out of bounds any sooner than it did, this the, the official would have gone to VAR and it would have been a handball but the fact that it stayed in bounds for so long after the initial what i believe was an infraction it allowed the VAR to conclude that there was no mistake and that we could play on i think if that ball gets immediately punted out of bounds by ochoa i think the center ref head uncle goes straight to VAR and it's given as a penalty so i you know what? sometimes the ball bounces your way. Sometimes it doesn't sometimes calls go with you. And sometimes they don't, I think it was a handball. I think if that had happened in the Kansas city box and it wasn't called, I would have lost my mind and said, we lost our season to poor officiating. So I understand the frustration because Justin comes down and even if it's not deliberate, I mean, he he, he looks like he straight up palms the ball and puts it further to David Ochoa and takes it out of Roger Espinosa's path. So I would say – I mean, I have a really hard time thinking that's anything other than a complete handball. I don't know how it doesn't get called. You can say it was yeah, – I mean, you can't even really say his hand was in a natural position. I mean, that's what I'm trying to grasp at straws here. I mean, he was coming down kind of flailing a little bit and just smacks it. I think it's. I think it was a clear handball. But I don't know. To your earlier point about what I had for notes on this game, it's just yeah. in Sharpie, all caps, it just says Marcelo Silva because he came in – Yeah. First game in about two and a half months, something like that, maybe two months, since suffering that injury in an absolute must-win environment. pitches a shutout and has, I think, probably the best game out of any RSL player outside maybe Demir. He was constantly putting out fires. He looked incredibly comfortable back there. And I think he's looked much better than Justin Glad has this season. I think going into the playoffs, Justin might be our weak link along the back line because he's been getting turned just inside out by you know kate cowell was one um sebastian blanco was another in this game he had one weird one where he tried to kind of clear a ball kind of didn't and then he was in a foot race to, towards goal he's been shaky he's been really shaky and you know in these big games we've seen him benched before and i don't think that's the right scenario i don't or situation i don't want to see eric holt and marcello or anything like that i do think it's justin and Marcelo. you know as long as both of those guys are healthy but it is it is a a question mark for me along the back line because he has been relatively shaky. So I was glad to see Marcelo come in. I was glad there were only two center backs, <laughs> you know, yeah. I was glad we were switching back to the four, two, three, one, but um yeah, that's kind of it for the game. And, and in regards to that switch, I think Pablo deserves just a mountainous amount of credit for what he did. Cause I mean, punting on what you've tried to create over the length of your tenure with the three, five, two, in a very important game and kind of admitting you were maybe wrong about that and going back to what worked is something I don't think a lot of head coaches in this league would do. I think it takes, yeah. you know, kind of real guts to kind of admit you were wrong and move on in a different
1: direction. So I, I applaud him for that. and We got the result and we made it into the playoffs. Yeah. And he said with the formation, he said, you know, it's been fun, um, you know, going with five in the back, letting guys fly forward on the attack, uh, get forward and score goals. And they were doing that, you know, scoring goals, also allowing a lot of goals. And he said, you know what, with this switch to this formation, it's a lot more of a a disciplined formation and, uh, you know, a formation that allows us to play a lot better defensively. And so I thought that was very interesting that he commented that. And, you know, like you said, he's got a lot of guts to change to this formation um, for the last game of the season and and go ahead and get that win. So um, yeah, fantastic win by Ray Al Salt Lake. So um, as I had mentioned, knocks LA Galaxy out of the playoff race. We are then in, (laughs) Yes, very happy, actually. that <laughs> No Texas LA- teams, no California teams in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of happy about that. I'm not happy. But I mean. I disagree. I mean, <laughs> happier that Real has, has made it to the playoffs. So um, that was very exciting. So uh, obviously a lot of partying, a lot of celebration. We have a, a ways to go still, obviously, to the MLS Cup. But just a, a fantastic moment uh, for Real Salt Lake players and fans alike. And, um, and all this parting it, it sort of kind kind of starts to die down a little bit throughout the week, and we're thinking, okay, well, and then we'll we'll talk about the next game that Ray has is the playoff game against Seattle, but it's uh, not for a, a bit, and so we're kind of thinking, all right, well, maybe we're not going to have anything else to talk about on the podcast. Maybe everything's died down. <laughs> but no, how not naive at we were. <laughs> Um, news comes out that it is very possible now that David Blitzer Group um, is, is looking now to purchase Real Salt Lake. Uh, David Blitzer himself is a billionaire. Um, he and his group are looking to purchase the team. This We're probably going to have differing opinions or, or thoughts, at, at least initial thoughts, I would say, um, on this here. But I would like to hear your thoughts about if this actually does happen and the David Blitzer group does purchase the Real Salt Lake team. Yeah, from multiple
0: sources, it seems like it's just about a done deal. It seems like we're just, you know, dotting some I's and crossing some T's just to get this over the line. So I'm going to speak on it as if it's a done deal, because I think that would be the most productive. And when the news first came out, I was very reactionary and I still kind of am in that phase and I don't love it for the club for a few reasons i've kind of come around to it but for a few reasons i don't know that this is going to be a great move first of all he's you know clearly an out-of-stater which is fine there have been many Mm -hmm. good owners mls that are but he owns a ton of different teams from the 76ers to the new jersey devils to crystal palace augsburg some other clubs in europe and i i am hesitant about that because a lot because he is very hands off which is a good thing when you are coming from Deloitte Hansen who was very hands on and was telling us to or to not sign players and that would lead to misses that should have been hits and things like that so it could be a good thing to have soccer people running soccer soccer operations which seems like a no brainer mm-hmm. but also the one i guess the biggest caveat for me aside from him you know making his wealth from private equity and certain blackstone deals that or, you know, maybe less than morally fantastic. But again, it's hard to find a good morally, (laughs) you know, upright billionaire, right? I miss you. But the one thing that I'm curious about is if we will have any real connection tangibly to Crystal Palace. If we do, I think that's going to be a bad thing for the club, right? And if we don't, I think we are going to be in a very good position. The reason I say it's a bad thing is because we have not seen that model work in MLS for any club. If you go back and you, you look at the teams that have done, have these really strong connections, New York Red Bulls, obviously one, FC Dallas is another with, F, uh, or with Bayern, And, you know, NYCFC is another one that's probably done it the best, but they're working with the city football group, which is probably the largest soccer organization in the world. Crystal palace right. is not that that would be, You know, similar to a Red Bull, but probably even much smaller. Mm -hmm. So I worry that we would then become kind of a farmer team and just purely about development. And when we have, you know, kind of a unicorn like Alfonso Davies and we look to sell them, we're just going to be selling them to Crystal Palace, who would then just give the money to us that they already had. Kind of like when Red Bull trades Tyler Adams and you're just moving money from one pocket to another. Right, that concerns me because I want us to focus solely on us, and I want us to sell players for us, and for that money to go directly into the club immediately. No sell-ons, no nothing. You can tack on a sell-on without having, you know, a parent club. Right. I kind of got into that with uh, Dunny on Twitter. I just, I'm, I'm not sold on the connections being a good thing. However, I do think if utilized correctly, it could be nice to have kind of a larger soccer network globally. But I don't want us to be just a cog in the machine. I want us to have to work separately, but kind of have those resources, I guess, which is maybe counterintuitive, but regardless, I do think if he is indeed as hands-off as it seems he will be and let soccer people run soccer things, I think that could be really good for the club. That's something we haven't seen since Deloitte Hanson came in and took over. And the biggest kicker for me, I know I've gone on for far too long, but the biggest thing for me is that we're now seeing rumors from both the athletic And the writer of the Sportico article, whose name I'm now forgetting, um, that there will be a local ownership group involved in the purchase, which would make me very happy. (laughs) Um, You know, we've been told many times the team won't move. I fully believe that. And I don't think that was ever an issue. And I don't think, you know, a local ownership group saves that. But I do think having a local footprint on this team will help us understand the market. You know, if an, Mm -hmm. if an East coast guy comes in, buys the team for half a billion dollars and then finds out that we don't play Sunday nationally televised games at home because we won't fill the stadium. I have a hard time thinking he would really (laughs) understand that decision. So having a local group that knows the market would be beneficial, I think in those kinds of negotiation negotiations or talks or things like that. So in the tier of owners that could have happened, you know, Ryan Smith, I think he was out as soon as he got the jazz, which makes sense. That was his, his thing. And, you know, he's done tremendously there and all we can do is be jealous. Um, So I don't think we can say we really missed out on him as much as the jazz didn't uh, miss out on him. But Mm -hmm. tier this probably falls somewhere in the good, not great range. You know, I Mm -hmm. don't know that there's any indication that they'll come in and spend 15 20 million on the roster not that i think the roster needs it but just that i think that would be nice but i guess we'll have to see you know i don't want to burn any bridges before we you know even get to that point so i'm excited and i have now said i think everything that has been on my brain
1: for the last two days so why don't why don't you take over what do you think i i think my words for this piece of news is probably somewhere along the lines of cautiously optimistic um i'm I, I do agree with you. You know, I, I do worry a little bit with all of the different teams that this guy or and his group owns that we could be, you know, kind of an afterthought and kind of be forgotten. And that definitely does worry me. But you have always mentioned, Alex, that this podcast is not meant to bring people down. We are an that optimistic is true. That podcast. Is true. And so I'm going to try and bring up some points or some thoughts that I just kind of have maybe just uh, galaxy braining and, you know, fantasizing about maybe some good things that can come out of this. But um, me personally, you'd mentioned some of the teams that, um, that David Blitzer and his group are involved with. They either own or have stocks or, or um, shares in some of these clubs in one way or another. And you mentioned Augsburg for Germany, Crystal Palace for England. Um, Den Haag in the Netherlands is actually a team that I think he more recently was involved with. Uh, Waslin Bevern in Belgium and Alcorcon uh, Al- Al- in Spain. And then Estoril Praia. In Portugal and so um, good you work know, I, on those names my goodness you really <laughs> went for it, it. <laughs> kind, of, kind of tough but um yeah I, I'm just like looking at this because there's a nice little map provided by it's foot foot near on twitter is where I'm, I'm getting this picture from um, just providing kind of a, a map of these teams where he owns and you know it's it's spread all throughout Europe obviously Germany Netherlands Belgium England Spain Portugal um, for me personally, I think that has you know maybe a little bit more of a global connection for Real Salt Lake. It's definitely something that has been missing throughout the years, and if anything, maybe we can hope for maybe some more notoriety on an international scale. Um, also, yeah. can you can you name that um, Portugal team again? Yeah, Estoril Praia.
0: So the one concern I have is do you think David Blitzer cares if Estherova actually wins a championship? Probably not. Like genuinely, do you think he he really cares or if Augsburg goes and wins, you know, a championship or something?
1: I mean, I it, think it'd be it, it, better, but no, probably that's, not. That that's that's
0: <laughs> that's my concern with this is I think, you know, he he cares that the New Jersey Devils and the Philadelphia 76ers Sixers win a championship. I worry yeah. that he doesn't really care if rsl goes out and wins a championship which is fine lots of owners operate under that you know Mm -hmm. under those pretenses it's hard to get a super fan owner which is okay but if he's just going to be hands off and he also doesn't care if we win and all he's doing is just grabbing an asset that was worth you know 10 million dollars 10 years ago and is now you know half a billion dollar club Right. And he just wants to save it till after the world cup and sell it for three. That's where I get a little bit concerned just that he owns so many things. And he's so influential in this European sports sphere that RSL is just the low man on the totem pole. I that mean, is yeah, my one biggest concern. However, I think, no. I think I don't, you know, we haven't seen that yet. He hasn't You know, done anything. So we can't say definitively, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's the kind of owner that goes to maybe a game a season, Mm-hmm. Which again is fine. You can be successful in other ways, but I—that's—I just want to, and again, not to get Debbie down or anything, because I do want to be positive. <laughs> but that is my one concern that I think my biggest concern, I guess, is that we'll just be the low man on the totem pole, and mediocrity will be not rewarded
1: but accepted. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned—you know—if he really cares about these these European soccer teams winning championships, he more wants these these. Teams over here, you know, with the 76ers, um, you know, he cares kind of maybe more about the U.S. side of things. And, you know, maybe that's the bright side we can look at. You know, Real Ray, Ray Salik is a team located in the U.S. And so it's very possible that even though soccer isn't extremely True. high up on True. his totem pole, that maybe he's, you know, more United States focused, and Real Salt Lake is in the U.S. So maybe he focuses more on Real Salt Lake than these other European teams, and that could be potentially a plus. But you know, like like you said, we have yet to see exactly what will happen. So that is kind of an interesting thing in play. Um, I also think that you know, as we mentioned, this this guy's no schmuck. He's got lots of money. Uh, he's a very rich guy, and um, you know, personally, I, I had, you know, we, we had talked about the the development in the academy program for Real Salt Lake throughout this season. It's been fantastic, and it's great uh, always to have players coming out of this academy, um, young talent. It's a fantastic thing. But at the same time, being 100% honest, you're not going to win an MLS title just completely out of homegrowns. It's
0: almost impossible to do. Yeah, we we see it with Dallas. I mean, you can have Ricardo Pepe, but you're only going to have him for maybe another year. Like, Mm -hmm. it's really, really hard to win now on youth. And so right. that's, and, and part of that is their, you know, agreement with Bayern. like Chris Richards is gone, West McKinney, you know, guys like that. They, if you're that good, you're going to leave early. And so yeah. it's really hard to maintain a competitive balance when you're constantly churning through
1: young guys. I mentioned earlier this season that the Vancouver Whitecaps looked like a, a completely different team. They've made the playoffs. There was one point in the season where they were near the very bottom of the standings in the West, the MLS this year. Um, and then this guy, comes along named Ryan Gold that uh, comes and joins the team from I believe it was uh, Sporting Portugal from Portugal and completely changes everything for the team um, gets other guys involved just really the the cog in the machine that made this team Vancouver Whitecaps work and they started winning games they started going on streaks winning games getting points and now they're in the playoffs it's so going from a bottom tier team to a team in the playoffs. From just one player that this team was able to find over in europe i'm not saying that it's going to be the same thing that real salt lake does but i'm saying there's a lot of potential for blitzer to you know he has that european experience he's got his toes over there it's possible that he may start looking for talent to bring from europe and bring them over to real salt lake and obviously we've had some guys come over from europe and we've had success that way But it's very possible that we maybe start bringing some, you know, bigger names over, um, frankly. Uh, I think that there's some guys out there that, you know, have interest coming over and playing in the MLS. Maybe guys that are a little bit older, but still have a lot left in the tank and a lot of talent. And um, whether it be, you know, really for PR or anything else, I would love to see. I would love to see a big name come over and play for Real Salt Lake. I think it would get a lot more fan involvement, um, just a lot more you know, notoriety, popularity for the team. And, you know, it could be exciting, that the player could actually play well and uh, bring the team together. Now we mentioned throughout the season, there's no egos on this current Real Salt Lake team and we are making the playoffs. That's fantastic. But, you know, through the years, the team isn't always going to stay the same. And so um, I think you need to make adjustments. It's an ever-changing um, economy for soccer. And so it's possible that we bring in more talent and, you know, maybe pump up our roster a little bit with some bigger signings. Uh, always th- doesn't like always work out, but I think it's a possibility that it could be a good thing for the team. So those are just a couple points that I think, you know, may potentially help the team in this buyout. Yeah. The one thing I would maybe tweak is that I'm less interested in signings
0: from Europe and more interested in signings from South America. Cause if you look at, the last, you know, five MLS Cup winners—they're just the five last MLS Cups. I mean, it's pretty much all the same teams. You've got Columbus, Seattle, Toronto, Atlanta, and Portland. And if you go through and name the best players on all those teams, they came from Liga MX, or they came mm-hmm. from South America, or they came from Josie Altidore in Toronto FC. <laughs> so, yeah. mm-hmm. like, it's—I. I, that's why I, I'm a little—I just want to pump the brakes a little bit on the excitement around these quote-unquote European connections just because I don't think we've seen you know there's plenty of players that have come from South America and failed miserably so yeah like I'm not saying that is you know what it has to be but I would just think that we could do really well to follow successful blueprints in MLS
1: Oh, you could be gloom and do them all you want, but I'm going to be excited until (laughs) something goes wrong with this team. So I'm excited for whatever happens. It it was
0: the best, again, as I said, that (laughs) Kansas City game was probably the most fun RSL game I've watched since 2013.
1: Yeah, it was a really, really good one. So, um, you know, like like we said, there's a lot of things happening. We kind of talked a lot about that, but let's go ahead and move on if that's okay with you. Yeah, I've got it all off my chest. I'm good. Okay, awesome. So, Um, We're going to be talking just briefly now about Andrew Putna. He has been removed from team activities due to a racist comment that was made from him to a teammate. Um, There's not a lot of clarity on this situation. Um, It appears that as of right now, Putna is still technically on the team, but is not practicing or not with the team actively. Doing and practice and training right now, and so um, a lot of things to still be clarified. But personally, I think Andrew Putna is done with Real Salt Lake.
0: Yeah, as as he should be. You know, RSL soapbox outlined that it was a, a racist comment made towards David Ochoa, who is obviously his direct peer on the team and your right. direct competition. And mm-hmm. if you are making racist comments just like deloy you got to get out of here like there should be absolutely no space for that within mm-hmm. this organization and i'm really glad that the club handled it as swiftly as i think they have because you know they immediately removed him from practice he hasn't been practicing yep. with the team since he wasn't in team pictures so yeah get him out of here we've got three monarchs kids playing goalkeeper under the age of like 17 that mm-hmm. i think are all as good or better than andrew putna so what is what is he doing get him out of here that's it's just despicable that we've had so much of this of these types of conversations around the team. I, I'm just glad to see it handled well quickly. I think that was a really good moment from the club to see that it was, you know, I think done and dusted immediately,
1: and I doubt he ever plays another game with RSL. Yeah, extremely unfortunate um, for the situation. But, you know, looking forward with the team, um, David Ochoa has mentioned that he would like to play for Real Salt Lake for at least a couple more years. And so I figured that, you know, we maybe have Ochoa for the next little while. Dusanup backs him up. And then once Ochoa leaves the team in one way or another, whether it be for a bigger contract elsewhere or whatnot, um, you know, up's I, I think, projected to be the next guy up. And I'm Yeah, and then happy Gavin Beaver, Beaver slides impressive. right in behind him. There you go. Yep. So like you said, we, we have a line of goalkeepers. It's probably our deepest and strongest position and, you know, technically probably youngest position so I mean, it was three teenagers yeah that. they'd better be yeah yeah definitely so um that'll be good again you know real unfortunate news but um yeah it looks like Andrew Putnam will be done three out of Salt Lake um we're going to do a deeper dive in our next podcast we need something to talk about in our next podcast and <laughs> so the next game won't be until actually Tuesday November 23rd so we've got a little over an entire week um to kind of look at that that matchup, jump into it, dive a little bit deeper, but it's going to be Tuesday, November 23rd on the road at Seattle against the Sounders, 8.30 p.m. kickoff time. Um, games usually wait a little bit until kickoff, so it's usually probably going to be like 8.37 local time kickoff for us, um, but should be a really good game. Um, if I'm not mistaken, did I see that you got tickets to that game? I
0: did, and I am very <laughs> excited. I got work off. And I got my coaching stipend from coaching a youth club, and I spent it all. And so (laughs) I will be enjoying that from Section 203, chanting with the away fans, and I truly cannot wait. But those uh, Thanksgiving flights were
1: not free, I'll tell you that much. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I could only imagine. I mean, hey, you won't find a more committed bunch than you and I. I mean, props to you for... We'll props to you for we getting, can. I mean, I, I know some of it may be a little bit selfish reason, but at the same time, man, you're going to be there at the game. So props to you. For a, a little, little bit, bit selfish, upwards. a lot selfish. <laughs> I'm just lucky. Hey, I've got a
0: brother that just moved up there, so I've got free room and board. So that's perfect. luckily that that helped a little bit and you know i kind of
1: got to use the excuse oh i want to come visit my brother like no no we're just going, we're just uh, we're just going to the game we're just strictly there for the game it's all business. that's your main reason dude yeah no i totally understand i'm really excited for you and so i'll be there in spirit but i'm excited for you to experience everything live um obviously hoping for the best result and like i said we'll dive a little bit deeper on into that game next week but for right now alex do you have any other comments or thoughts before we uh go ahead and take off uh dos acero let's go
0: that game was awesome and aaron herrera deserves at least a bench spot on that team because we could not find great wide service from our outside backs and i think you know if you're looking for a guy that did that better at mls than anyone else it's aaron herrera so yeah but no that game was awesome but other than that i think i think that's all i've got
1: for you yeah, Herrera's still waiting for that call, so Greg better get on his phone pretty soon. Call up Aaron Herrera. I agree with you. Yeah, because be I'm fantastic, not mistaken, condition. he was
0: thinking about moving lot.
1: Is that right? Yes, that's correct. That is yeah, correct. Yep. so Greg needs to hurry up and get that taken care of because Aaron Herrera deserves a spot on that team. Yeah, I think if he plays for Guatemala, he could actually seriously hurt the team, or I guess hurt the U.S. playing for Guatemala yeah, and be play awesome. so well for Guatemala he would. <laughs> score and assist against the US. So that's my only concern for that one. But yeah, I agree. Get Aaron Herrera on team USA. That should be like some sort of new movement or some sort of like <laughs> new hashtag or something that we can <laughs> kind of like save the crew. Exactly. Save yeah. 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 And anything else that we missed, Alex?
0: I think I think we got it all. I mean it's it was a good it was a crazy week to be an RSL fan. I mean Let's just, again, look back. We won our season on the last kick of our season. How Let's awesome go! is that? We, had, we were totally written off. Every single pundit and expert put us at darn near the bottom of the Western Conference. And we made the playoffs when our head coach left us midseason. And now we get yeah. to play him in Seattle. It's going to be awesome. It is such a fun <laughs> season. Like, truly, the fact that we yeah. even get to enjoy one extra game this year is a monumental achievement for everyone at the club. And I am so excited that we get to just revel in this experience in this moment. And I truly think there are brighter days ahead. And I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be an awesome finish to this year and an awesome 2022 for the club. I'm just, I'm stoked, man. I'm excited.
1: I mean, after the last game that we watched for Real Salt Lake, if there's any team up to beat a Seattle team on the road, it's going to be this Real Salt Lake team. Yeah, and Um, I
0: actually think we match up well with the Seattle team, but I'm getting
1: ahead of myself. But I truly think we look pretty (laughs) good against the Seattle team. (laughs) Hey, man, anything's possible. So, like I said, we'll, we'll dive deeper into that matchup this next week, talk more about some things for Real Salt Lake. But for now, that is all that we have for you all. So thank you all so much for listening to the Real Salt Lake podcast here at the Hive Sports. Once again, I'm Ethan Kershaw. Find me on Twitter at EthanKershaw9. With Alex Maurer, find him at Alex Maurer on Twitter. Thank you all for tuning in and listening today. Be sure to find us on Twitter. Ask us any questions you may have. But until next time, we will talk to you all later. See ya.